It's Friday night, everybody. You know what that means. It's Friday night. Let's have some fun. Let's get together and play a ton. Hi, I'm Matt, and I'm one of the two content creators for Friday Night Games. And we want to immerse you into our love of the hobby by educating and entertaining you through our board gaming adventures. Our podcast lands every Friday, and we create content for Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. This episode is sponsored by TabletopRenaissance.ca, located in our hometown of Windsor, Ontario. They just launched their web store, so check out TabletopRenaissance.ca for all your board game and tabletop miniature needs. On today's show, we have a special guest, Logan from Tunnel Vision Games. And we're talking all about Magic the Gathering. What drew us into it over and over and over and over and over. Why it's so popular recently. What ways to play. And we're going to end with some opinions that are off the cuff or whatever comes to our mind about different magic things that are recent. Okay, so Logan, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. That was incredibly well rehearsed. That's really nice. It's Thank smooth. You. It feels it feels nice in my ears. Thank you. Yeah, we write notes around here. <laughs> I can tell. I got a brick of them in, my, in the old inbox here, so it, that's pretty good. It was only like ninety pages, right? Like, I mean, yeah, yeah. is me... a small thing to talk about. I think it's it's not the most complicated game in existence. <laughs> no, and every and every set is not its own game. So you know, whatever. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> So where can everyone find you and socials and everything? Yeah. So, I mean, right now it's really just like Podbean, Tunnel Fission Games. And then Twitter is probably where I spend the majority of my time plugged into the TTRPG Twitterverse. It's such a wonderful community. So Tunnel Fission Games on Twitter. And then if you just kind of like look up on most of your pod services, Tunnel Fission Games, I'm the one who pops up. The first season anyways is a, a discussion about kind of the three major pillars inside of gameplay. The idea of matching your mechanics to your simulation, to your story that you're trying to tell. And it comes from, I think, kind of how a lot of games are doing a disservice to storytelling. And through the 10 episodes, I kind of walk through how story structure works, how game mechanics work, how simulation works. And then when you tie all three of them together for a very just super tasty, fun narrative experience, all the way across from like Monopoly and other board games to tabletop role playing games like Dungeons and Dragons and Pathfinder, and then even some discussions about tabletop war games and stuff like that. Very cool. Very cool. Just quick question. What was the first game that got you into gaming? Oh, man. <laughs> See how I did that to you? Where, that wasn't in yeah, the notes. Where, that wasn't in the notes. What are you going to do? That's why, that's why I paused for a second. I think it probably was was three things all at the same time that ended up kind of being the cornerstone video games obviously right. big part of my childhood like age of empires command and conquer and then coincidentally at the same time also dungeons and dragons and then also warhammer 40k so it, which game was it that caught me by the face i i would have to say age of empires probably won mm -hmm. on on pc and then breaking into board games and stuff it was easily magic the gathering in high school and tabletop role-playing games with dungeons and dragons i think it was like second edition right that i got into and then transitioned to three i mean age of empires is very board game-ish anyway right it it's is just, it's yeah it's basically like a very calm it's what it would be comparable to a complex board game these days yeah for sure and there's like i think civilization is a board game now I feel I feel like they're going backwards, yeah. yeah. And there's <laughs> Darkest Dungeons becoming a board game, right? And yeah. Like there that. was 
one game and I've I've seen it like once or twice. And I remember playing it in my best friend's basement when I was growing up. And it was you were on a space station trying to kill an artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. And the way it worked was that the majority of the space station was locked. So you had to go through and find the keys. But there was an actual artificial intelligence like thing in the center. So you had to input room codes and then it would tell you stuff that was happening. It would make fun of you. And it was this really strange robot voice. It sounds like a Canadian game. Oh, <laughs> uh, Maybe. Anyways, that one that one is pretty supplanted into my brain as never going away. Cool. Cool. Well, okay, well that's sweet, but we're here to talk about magic today. I know yeah. I know I'm the one who actually turned that segue in. <laughs> but it, it's in the notes. I see it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so before we go on into magic, first of all, a big shout out to getting the recommendation to get you on the show from Meg from Girl Meets Nerd, which was awesome. Apparently, we needed to meet and talk about magic together cuz apparently we're yeah. both awesome according to her. So, I think that's yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So much time for for Meg and Girl Meets Nerd and and Tristan. So, I was on their show talking about Magic the Gathering. Well, there you go. <laughs> and that was very like top level doing our very level best to kind of explain all that stuff and look forward to doing it again here. Uh, also sounds like you have a little bit of experience, a pretty decent amount of experience with Magic the Gathering. Yeah, I would say it's one of the first games that really got me into gaming. I mean, other than kind of similar to you, you know, uh, video games was basically number one, but Magic was the first game I played in like a setting person to person. So I thought that was Fair. super what, cool. What set did you start with? Oh, you're going to you're gonna date me. <laughs> I, I, started, yeah. I started with Ice Age. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, so Ice Age and Fourth, and I actually went all the way through all the Urzas, so like Urza Saga. Oh, wow, nice. Yeah, and then after that, I stopped because it just just kind of got expensive. Well, I mean, it was expensive from the beginning, but like when I really started understanding how to be competitive, it was like, this is just Mm. too much money. Yeah. Well, I have some cool stuff we'll talk about in a bit, but yeah, so just as a note, when 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 Megan recommended you right away, you said you were literally playing Magic. Right yeah, I, mi- I missed the notification that she added me because <laughs> I was in the middle of doing my dailies on Arena. And then I checked my phone and I was like, oh, yeah, no, I'll talk to I'll talk about magic. Like, yeah, that's great. <laughs> what were you playing? What deck? What type of deck? What theme? What were you what were you doing at that exact moment? Well, so the dailies, uh, are you do you play Arena at all? I actually play a ton of Arena. Yeah. So like the dailies kind of shift. I think that one was like red green. So I, I've been tooling around with a Giant's Fiery Emancipation oh. surprise t- eight times damage deck. So Fiery Emancipation is an enchantment where any anytime you deal damage, you deal three times as much damage. And then I think it's something Harbinger at a Kaldheim, which is a giant that doubles the amount of damage a giant permanent does. Mm-hmm. So that, that way you get to eight times and then all you need to do is swing once and then all of a sudden the opponent is dead. Okay, so for those of you who have no idea what Logan <laughs> just said. <laughs> I, I understood it, but I have a lot of knowledge uh, in magic, so I, I totally understand yeah. what you're saying. Okay, so I'm just going to go over what is magic. So if you have no mm. idea, I don't want you to feel lost. We're going to be throwing a lot of stuff out there. We may not get too in-depth. Well, we're going to get pretty in-depth into like collecting and you know sets and like how to play and what you should do to play and why we love it, why we don't love it, etc. Yeah. But, but what you should do to play is not play blue. That's all that matters. 
<laughs> hey, I'm a blue player. I love blue, which I, you know, I, I'm probably that person who loves like ruining the game for everybody. I think. Yeah, that you're probably one of those people who's like, I'll be the dungeon master. It's fine. I am the dungeon master. I am the yeah. dungeon master. <laughs> I see you. I see you. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so if you don't know what Magic is, I'm gonna give you a simple, brief explanation. Simply, it's a card game where two players or more generally have a deck of cards which makes them a planeswalker and in your deck it's made up of lands and spells lands are used to pay for the cost of these spells spells could be these permanents that stay on your board which may you, you may use to attack or may do other things but we don't want to get into that because it can get really complex when we start talking about that <laughs> but spells could also do things like draw cards do damage stop spells you can summon another planeswalker which has more abilities and then basically the goal of the game is to bring your opponent's life down to 20 and the first person who does that wins there are a lot of ways to play magic which are called formats there is standard format which is like the latest sets uh, last two years of sets historic which is a version on magic arena which is basically all the sets in magic arena popper which is like playing with the most common cards so in a pack of cards you have common uncommon rare and mythic and common would be the cheapest cards you could play with i think i think you play with like one of them or something, or maybe it's multiple. Sets of four commons. You're not allowed to use uncommons or rares or mythic rares. Yeah. And then we have commander, which you can only have one of each card. You can only have one copy of a card in your deck. You have a hundred cards. You actually start off with a commander, which is a card you could play at any time by paying its cost. And when it dies, it costs more, which is actually the most popular way to play. We'll talk about that in a bit. Pioneer, which is the standard plus the last, I think, other sets. So maybe like last oh. four years, which is cool. Uh, it's, oh, it's right, not, as, not as popular yet. It's more of a tabletop one. Modern, which goes uh, <laughs> like, I don't know, it's like 2011 or something, and then goes to now. And that's actually a pretty popular tabletop game as opposed to online, unless you play Magic Online. And then there's Legacy and Vintage, which we won't even get into, but those are the older school. They have all the old sets. You could draft, which is like, usually you have eight players, and there's three packs per player. So that's like, what, 24 packs of cards. And then you open a pack, you pick a card, and you pass your cards to the next person, and so on. Pretty popular way to play, and it's super popular in Magic Arena. Yeah. Very easy to build a collection from that. And there's probably also a billion more ways to play that I, I don't know off the top of my head, but those are the ones that came to be off the top of my head. So there you go. You're all welcome. I think there's a commander version of Popper as well, where oh, it's only com yeah only commons, and then your legendary, your commander ends up being uncommon, oh. which is why they were printing uncommon commanders in the most recent commander sets, I think. I could be wrong on that one. Oh, that's kind of a neat way to go. Oh, it's cheaper. Yeah. It's cheaper. Yes, like super cheap. Yeah, so so the basic so the one problem with magic is it's very expensive. So let everyone know that right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I'm glad we got that out of the way because you know people <laughs> now now we can get into the details. They here. need they need the disclaimer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think one of the things that I would like to bring up about Magic the Gathering is that its influences can be felt everywhere. Almost all other card games have some like lateral influence from Magic the Gathering because it's been around for so long. It's come up with so many interesting ways of doing it. All the research and mathematics that's gone into it. Like there's kind of only so many ways to play a card game, particularly a trading card game. Not even to mention like the living card games where like that's a completely other thing. 
Right. Which which you could check out. We have a podcast on that. I don't know when. I think it was like May last year. You could check out that nice. on TCGs. Sweet. Anyway, sorry. Keep going. No, for sure. And like I I think everyone kind of just goes back to magic because they, they end up being kind of pioneers and in interesting ways of doing things. Listening to Mark Rosewater, he has a like hour and a half long discussion where he talks about the, like the 20 lessons that he learned about re- designing the games. Mm-hmm. And from a design perspective, magic is is infinite. There's an infinite number of ways. And when you talk about you had mentioned that, like, if you reduce your opponent's life total to zero, you win. That's yes, that's one of the ways. <laughs> that's that's the most basic way. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the way that beginners. most people win. Right. Right. One of the things I've been playing around with is milling your opponent. And if you can get rid of all of their cards and they have to draw a card and they can't, they lose. It represents basically you just mind wiping your opponent. So like the, I just find that there's so many interesting ways because like when you play Monopoly, there's only one way to win Monopoly. Right. So I, I like games that have alternate styles of win conditions and then finding ways to find the most abstract win condition that ends up being successful. That's where I that's where I play. Right. And they call that comboing. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's that's a big thing in magic is to combine the cards to get something to get the outcome you want. <laughs> Maybe yeah, it's milling, right. maybe it's, you know, destroying someone's life. And, and and then some every set has like complicated cards and people try to like put those complicated cards together, which is pretty neat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm infamous in my play group for my chaos decks. Okay. Where I just kinda go like, Oh yeah, you can have all the plans you want. It's totally fine. And everybody trade cards. Uh <laughs> just just roll a die and this is where that's one's going. I'm oh, very like I love decks like that. Those super yeah. fun, yeah. Because it really puts a randomness to the game. Mm-hmm. The game doesn't necessarily have to have randomness. Well, it has a lot of randomness, but it doesn't necessarily have to. Yeah. And like in quasi predictable randomness, which is interesting. So like there's no true real random number generator. When you build your deck, you have 60 cards in a standard format and you can have four copies of each card. You really are only kind of walking around with maybe six four card sets. Right. You know what I mean? And then you have lands and then you kind of have everything else. But like you can really kind of tune a Magic the Gathering deck to be very reliable statistically. And that's where that's where a good deck is, is where you kind of figure out what your interactions are. You pick the ones you build your deck off of that. And then you just spend time tuning it going, hey, in this meta, I need spot removal or I need board wipes or whatever it is. There's so many terms that are coming out. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, there's, there's another term <laughs> you, you, like you're saying, you know, the meta and like board wiping and all that. So all that comes from what they call sideboarding. So if you play a game, usually you're playing like a set of three games, best of three, I guess. And you have you might have cards that you have 15 cards you could put aside that you could you could swap into your deck for the scenarios that you might encounter. So, and that's when the game gets really complicated because you're not just yeah. building a deck, you're building a side deck to help you beat, you know, the meta, which is what people are playing basically, which, which is crazy. It just becomes yeah. so complicated at that point, right? It's like very competitive tournament magic. Right. I'm a I'm a kitchen table player. Like I just like sitting down with my friends and having a good time. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what most people like doing, right? Yeah. Okay, well, let's get down to it. Why does everyone love or hate Magic the Gathering? Or <laughs> or why do you love or hate Magic the Gathering? Let me know. Honestly, 
I would think it's the complication of it. A lot of people really love it because it's complicated and it makes your, it makes it, you know how sometimes you're thinking so hard and you can feel your brain wrinkling. Yes. Like it's, it's that kind of decision-making through artificially imposed restrictions. So you're sitting there like in a hangover when Zach Galifianakis sees all the number charts going by him yeah, and he's just exactly. like, oh yeah, I know exactly what's going on here. Perfect. <laughs> and, and sometimes you, you still do the math and you have no idea what's happening and then you just get lucky. Yeah, I find for me in particular, I like problems. I don't sit still well. I need to kind of process something. And so Magic the Gathering is great to sit down socially, you know, maybe have a couple of uh, beers or water or pops and like talk and kind of throw (laughs) at your friends (laughs) while still kind of like collaboratively working through the problem. And it's it's been like that, like when I played in high school versus when I play now, the conversation remains more or less the same, like, oh, like what's going on at work? And then you you play through some stuff and then everybody gets really focused on a big play and then everybody's uh, you know super focused in. Right. But the, the complication is a is a big barrier to new players. Yeah. So so I yeah, I think that I love it because it's so complicated and you know i i have a math degree and you know so obviously right away i love complex strategy games but i think that it does you know it makes that's what drives me like what you're saying is like oh i have this problem you know how do i i guess you sort of like improv a little bit too because you're like oh i have these cards in my hand i know it's in my deck so you're looking at probabilities of like oh i need these cards to win this scenario that's in front of me and then at the same time you're like oh can i i like the idea of comboing so this card with this card will do something else and then i think you're right at the same time every card is basically a different rule mm-hmm. <laughs> to the game every, and every set comes with its own rules which yes. every like some new mechanic that's bolted onto it right and then that becomes why people hate it right and i i would also say that no two magic decks are built similarly unless you take pre-cons and even then there are some pre-cons that are just better than other pre-constructed decks mm-hmm. so the reason why a lot of people like playing board games is that there's a symmetrical start at the beginning of monopoly everybody lands on go but when you play magic the gathering you're bringing your deck and if your opponent is just has more resources than you be that time to research to figure out what the best combos are what the best kind of meta breaking deck is or just money to go and purchase the cards that they need you can sit down with your like well i bought a pre-constructed deck and i'm gonna have a great time and then someone shows up with their highly tuned like a smash efficiency deck like well you're just gonna (laughs) lose all the time and some people are introduced to magic the gathering that way and I like it. That would not be a very fun time. No. Uh, and and, and mm-hmm. in my notes, I have like, you know, why do people hate Magic the Gathering? Well, it's simply it's expensive, right? Yeah. Or it can be. It doesn't have to be. Like you're saying you play Kitchen Table Magic, which is another way of saying, hey, I just buy a bunch of cards and put them together and I play it and we have fun. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it, once you start seeing combos and you want to get better, then that's when it becomes expensive because then you start collecting specific cards. Yeah. And it becomes time consuming because you're, you know, you're, you're taking a lot of time to like investigate a card. You might like pull out a card that you really like the mechanic on it. And you're like, okay, well, what cards go with this? Right. And then that might be hours of time trying to like a find the cards and then B play testing. Oh yeah, sure. And it, it's very much an, an investment of time. Like there's no, you can be a casual Magic the Gathering player, absolutely. But to get really proficient at the rules is an investment of 
15 16 hours like it's a lot of iteration to understand all the steps and the phases right but when you get the basics down it's a very it's very much just like jazz like jazz has a certain set of rules you're trying to make music magic has the, a similar set of rules and then once you kind of get the basics down now you just do whatever you want with it start to freeform yeah oh yeah definitely i mean i'm a, like like i said i you know, I'm a computer programmer, so it reminds me exactly of computer programming. <laughs> so, like, if you understand logic like that, then you'll probably like the game a lot. Well, and I, I don't know if you know this, but, like, isn't uh, Magic the Gathering is the only card game, board game, or game in existence that can recreate a computer inside of its rule set? <laughs> I didn't know that. That would make yeah, a yeah. lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, you should you should look it up. It's someone for their I think it was a PhD mathematics degree basically broke down how what cards you would need to use what format you would need to play to be able to basically make a rudimentary computer, which is see a tape, have your head read a portion of the tape, make some sort of decision based off of an algorithm, and then inside the mechanics of the game, actually change it for something to, to happen. So he ends up locking it out, locking the opponent out entirely, like gets rid of all the cards, makes it so they can't win or lose, and the game just goes on infinitely while they start moving these pieces around. It's very interesting by... Because Science built a computer inside Magic the Gathering. It's a 22-minute video, 23-minute video, where he breaks down how he did it. And if you're just really interested in it, I I found it absolutely fascinating. This concept of, like, inside the rules that they've made, there's enough card interaction to dictate the fundamental concept of what a computer does with data. So, Logan, what really makes you want to play the game again and again? Have you did you ever like stop playing the game and come back to it? Or were you always I did. Magic? Okay. No, I there was a moment when I stopped, and that was because I was just involved in other things. Like my once I finished my university degree, and then my regular job took off, and I had to move out to the West Coast, and like I just didn't have as many friends out there. And then, at, like slowly, as I built that core group of friends back up, suddenly Magic: The Gathering came back because. I mean, you can only stay away from it for so long. Right. Why did I start playing it? Because, I, I mean, ultimately, friends were the ones playing it. So that's, that was how we were going to socialize. Back at the, the first run of the Guilds of Ravnica, I had a green-white Sapperling deck that was pretty nice. A couple of nice. parallel lives in there, just dropping a whole bunch of people, convoking in giant monsters. So many keywords. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. Everyone just, just real. These are This is what happens. Giant yeah. monsters. That's all you need yeah. to know. It's all you Perfect. need to know. <laughs> and then when I got back into it, I actually don't really own any physical cards. Okay. And it's because I just play through like arena and tabletop simulator. Nice. So with my friends for Commander and like during the pandemic, it was essential. Like it was so necessary. That's pretty much how we kind of maintained our friendship was that we had a couple of people all across Canada who were just kind of dialing in to play Commander on Tabletop Simulator for a couple of hours. Wow, that's that's amazing. That's that's <clears throat> that's really cool. Like I I've I've been in a couple times. My my first time was when I started in Ice Age, and a couple of friends kind of got me into it. And they were they they were two years older than me, and they and I really loved the logic aspect of it. But I actually played all the way through the first Urza saga, so I I had cards in my collection that were like I had like the original Demonic Tutor, nice. I had like Time Twister, I had like these very expensive cards that weren't expensive at that time. They were like a hundred dollar yeah. cards or something, or yeah. fifty dollar cards. But well, not <laughs> not expensive at the time, and then you say, and they're a hundred dollars like that. That, that was expensive. Is kind of oxy- the, yeah. 
But it's like those cards now are dude, much more. Dude, Time Twister is ten thousand dollars, right? <laughs> and I'm like, but no. It, it was just it's a, it's a piece of cardboard, and that's yeah, it's it really is, and it's not a big deal. And at the end of the day, it's not a big deal. It just it's just like, man, I had that, but whatever, mm-hmm. who cares? Uh, but <laughs> so I, I ended up getting out of it because it got very expensive. So then I kind of dropped it for a long time and just kind of did video games as my thing for a long time. And then when I graduated my university degree, I was looking for something to do. And I noticed that the Magic Origins and old school like computer games were coming out. So they were just games where they had like a deck and you would just play the game. And yeah. as yeah, you play yeah, yeah. the game, you'd like build up your collection. And I love that. I love yeah. that game hundreds of hours into that seriously yeah there were like magic 2014 and stuff like that was all you had the challenger decks i really loved the puzzles yes those were so fun yeah where you you had so in an already kind of constrained decision making environment they further constrained your resources by you only have so much life you only have so much uh, available resources and now you have to figure out what moves in what order in order to defeat your opponent. And that was back when Platinum Angel was like the thing. So it just inevitably was just like, oh, just find and play Platinum Angel. And now you have all the time that you need. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, oh man. Because those games like kind of, as, as I was playing them, I was like, man, I really wish there was something like Magic Arena, which exists yeah. now, but didn't exist then. And then I it kind of, tried to suck you into magic online but the interface and how magic online played out i just did not like so i just kind of dropped it but i did end up looking into commander decks so i actually picked up a bunch of commander decks to play with my friends and we did that and then that started us printing out like proxy cards so basically we would just like have a printer and we would like be uh, it would be like hours i feel like snipping out you'd print (laughs) out all the cards on paper cut them out stick them in the plastics and that's how we would play but all my decks were from the the planeswalker games all my decks because i just loved it so much and and i understood the concepts that they were throwing at me so i really enjoyed it and one thing about okay the one thing i I, reason why i stopped playing is because when i play with my friends we get kind of competitive and there's sort of that like anger you know when you lose you're just all angry at each other right or like you're always arguing over rules and i felt like we're arguing over (laughs) rules way too much and it just kind of becomes less fun and then once that happens that kind of like hits me and i'm like all right i need to stop playing because i'm losing my friends (laughs) you know what i mean i think that can be also said for almost every board game that you play (laughs) a lot of right? right So, like, I have a friend of mine. There's no point playing Ticket to Ride with him because he's Dakota the Matrix. He will win. He, know, he knows all the moves, basically. Yeah, yeah. he's he's 5-0. and oh, It wow. just doesn't matter. And so it's just like, okay, maybe we don't play that because that's, you know, there's not much of a, a chance, really. Right. And Magic can be the same way. You know, sometimes inside my playgroup, people are like, okay, I just, I apologize, but I just really want to play this deck. And everyone goes, okay, you can do one do one with the good one. <laughs> you, you take your win, sir. Thank you for playing. Right. And now let's go back to like leveling the playing field a little bit. Right. And I think that that's what arena really gives me is the fact yeah. that I can like, I can experiment and not play my friends who are going to be like, all right, we've had enough of you. You know, you've yeah. invested money into this where we just want to play, t- you know, kitchen, kitchen table. Right. Yeah. 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 No, I, I, I feel that very much. And I, I like, especially with arena where, the rotation comes to you. Mm-hmm. And then I find it just fascinating watching 
the meta, the patterns of what people are playing shift as cards are banned or as like the rise and fall of new deck types like Demir Rogues has yes. been a thing, but now it's starting to come back down again as cycling is beginning to come back. And it's like, what is what is happening? What are you people doing out here? Right, right. And and so I actually played, so I actually started playing Arena. I, I played it when the beta was out a couple of years ago, but right. I didn't like it as much. It kind of got me into Hearthstone again. But then recently, because of the events of, I, I actually, it wasn't because of the events of Blizzard basically having a toxic work environment that I switched over to Arena. It was actually yeah. because a local card store had some Japanese cards and I was for t- I was doing photos of them for Twitter, and then I was just like, man, I I was getting bored of Hearthstone because the meta in Hearthstone is actually pretty boring. It's like two or three oh. decks you play. Okay. So I started looking at like the meta of Arena, and I'm like, wow, there's a lot of decks. There's a lot of things you could play. Yeah. And like yeah. you know, like you're mentioning Demir Rogues, and I'm like, yeah, like I could easily make this deck, and I did, and I played it, and I'm like, oh, this is cool. And I'm playing all these other decks, and I'm like, you know, there's actually a lot of other decks that people don't realize could be powerful, and they're not playing because they're just not popular in the tournament scenes, you know? Mm-hmm. So that that's what really got me. I'm like, oh, man, I'm bored of how to play Hearthstone. This game lets me be very creative, right? I can mm-hmm. choose my favorite card, put it in a deck, and then build the deck around it. And there's a big shift coming as well. So inside of Magic the Gathering sets, right? When a new set comes out, that usually means that there's a rotation of your previous set on its way out. Right. And each set has a different theme, and they are very good at following the theme and creating cards that are inside of that theme. And they had one that is the the next set to leave, which is Thrones of Eldraine, and it's it's all like fairy tale. And right. the the theme behind it is very nice. The story that's kind of told inside of it is super great. But mechanically, that set is super powerful in compared to the other sets. Things like Questing Beast, the Stomping Giant, whatever it is, there's all these like super powerful cards that are about to leave. So they're no longer going to be inside of the pool of options for people. And so now all of these things are going to have to start adjusting and going in a different direction because all those Thrones of Eldraine cards are leaving. Right, right. Just so everyone knows, we mentioned a term called Demir. That's like a term they give to the cards based on the color type. So that would have been like a black blue name. Just so everyone's wondering. That's one of the things that I found really tricky is like, because coming back to it very recently, there's like all these names of like, you know, Simic whatever, right? Or Simic Ramp yeah. or, you know, Demir Rogues or Rakdos Treasures. And you're like, what does this mean? <laughs> Those are just color type. Those are actually gates, right? Aren't they? Yeah. They're the guilds of Ravnica. So strap in story time. <laughs> one of the like kind of the more famous worlds that Magic the Gathering is built. The, the idea is that Every set it takes place in a different plane of existence. And you, as the planeswalker, go to that other plane to help with the story. And the Guilds of Ravnica was kind of the first set. It ended up being kind of a cornerstone to this big, like, multiverse-shattering event that they had. And Ravnica is a plane-sized city, and it has 10 guilds inside of it, each sharing two colors of the color, like the Magic the Gathering color pie. Which is just, yeah, so everyone knows. It's five colors. Yeah, you know, so you've got your white, which is like healing magic and holy light. And then your red, which is a lot of like fire, go fast, burn spells. Red's probably my favorite color. Blue, which is about controlling and drawing cards. 
black, which is your like death magic. And I use the term spot removal. So like instant death. So it doesn't matter how big something is. This very cheap card just kills it. And then green, which is the color of like forests and big monsters and stuff like that. So they took color combinations of all of those, built guilds around them. And those are kind of the de facto color combinations. Rhyme them all off if you want, but it doesn't matter. (laughs) Right. On that note, why has magic become so popular all of a sudden? What do you think? What do you think, Logan? I think the the pandemic had a lot to do with people's spare time. So things like arena influencers having time to acquire the materials that they needed to play. Oh, it's a service. It They do the top-down paper magic. So they just have cameras and they get together and they play that way. Okay. I think it's because people have all of a sudden all this time so they're looking for stuff to do it's the same thing as like the wizards of the coast has like has had their best year since the pandemic started dungeons and dragons has spiked magic the gathering has spiked the the accessibility of these tools on top of like obviously with the passion that we're talking about it it's actually pretty fun yeah oh it is totally i i guess like i guess every kind of entertainment game is spiked too video games have spiked board games have spiked too right so they're all in the same realm yeah i i think that you know magic did a great job with changing their booster in the last two years right where they started mm. making like more collectors boosters to kind of get uh people interested in, in the different flavors of cards which is kind of cool yeah and the i'm gonna skip ahead on your script you the crossovers that are coming yes right and the the kind of like lateral integration to try and like hey you really like this intellectual property well now it's a magic the gathering set yes and you're actually talking about what again on that script yeah <laughs> <laughs> So Dungeons and Dragons is the most recent one. Yes. I kind of really enjoyed the Godzilla one, which is super neat. So one of the sets that they had called Ikoria, it's a plane of monsters, just big creatures. They do a lot of really interesting stuff. One of the core mechanics to Ikoria was mutate, the idea of combining two creature cards, one on top of each other. Very fun. And so what they did was they redid some of like the big monsters into like the Godzilla ones. So you had like Godzilla, King of the Monsters, you had Mecha Godzilla, you had Mothra, all these like kind of reprints on some of the bigger monsters. Mm-hmm. That was very, very flavorful. And they've announced Warhammer 40k is going to be coming out. I think they had yeah, so those the are Walking be, those Dead. Those are going to be commander sets too actually oh so yeah well it'd be super cool actually by the time by the time this podcast comes out and you're really interested magic should have released on tuesday of this week their plan for the next year of magic so definitely check oh that's it out. pretty cool yeah yeah all right we had to pause there just for a second i know we talked about the news that just came out so today is actually august 24th so the magic 2022 spotlight actually came out today So I decided to split this podcast into two episodes, and I'm going to interject some news. Also, I listened to that spotlight so that you didn't have to, and I'm going to fill in our listeners and what is happening in the next year of Magic. So that's pretty exciting. I had to listen to the cheesiest Magic marketing video, so you don't have to. And I'm going to tell you what I learned. And just as a spoiler, I didn't learn that much. There wasn't a lot of things that are shown, just a lot of things named and maybe a little bit of art. But other than that, you're not really missing too, too much. Other than, I don't know, it just seemed like a, it seemed like an hour long for something that could have been point form, which you, which you could read on their website if you want. They did put the point form version up. <laughs> and it just says just as much as watching over the hour version. But I was hoping maybe they'd give some spoilers and they didn't. <laughs> Okay, so let's start off. It started with content from this year, 2021. And first up, they talked about Innistrad, Midnight Hunt, 
and Crimson Vow. So those are the next two sets coming out, and their ones comes out in the middle of September, and the other one comes out early November. Midnight Hunt is about werewolves, and Crimson Vow is about an extravagant vampire wedding. So we were theorizing why the two sets were coming out so close, and one thought for me was that I, I heard that they're because they're releasing so much magic fun in the first and second quarter of 2022 that they're going to move the set forward and not have a set then. Well, that's actually wrong. They will have a set released in the Q1 and Q2 of 2022, but they decided to move these two together because they actually are releasing a draft box called Double Feature, which the drafts, the draft booster packs contain cards from Midnight Hunt and Crimson Vow, and it has a load of booster fun with monster cards, collectible monster cards from classic monster movies. And honestly, that was a Thing that got me excited i'm like oh that's cool they moved the two sets together on purpose because they want to release this draft box with some cool other monster cards for drafting you know i don't even draft but i know that will come to arena so that will be pretty cool to to play so i'm looking forward to that out of all the whole news that was <laughs> the only thing i was looking forward to okay so next they talked about products that are coming this year and a little bit about arena so arena is getting some new things it's basically getting like a historic brawl which is pretty cool it needs that. Brawl is an arena version of Commander. And it's getting uh, Historic Jumpstart, which is introducing modern cards from the modern format into Arena. So that's cool to get people on board with that. They're releasing Paper, Commander Collection Black, which contains eight Commander staple cards featuring new art. And Pioneer Challenger decks, which are pre-constructed competitor decks with sideboards that you could just jump into your competitive scene with. Neither of those piqued my attention, but whatever. Afterwards, they went into the quote-unquote fun of 2022. So first of all, they, they're they going to create a new unset called Uninfinity. So unsets are fun sets that you can't really play in any format, but you could throw into Commander or Tabletop Magic if you just want to play for fun. And this set is a retro science fiction space carnival that travels the galaxy. It includes space horrific lands, shock lands, but themed for space, and other science fiction lands. It sounds like a very land-centric set. Afterwards, they talked a little bit about Commander Legends. So Commander Legends is their commander draft format. And this time, it's getting a Dungeons & Dragons Battle for Baldur's Gate theme, which is kind of cool. It'll actually include iconic characters from Baldur's Gate. Also, they're releasing Double Masters 2022, and these packs will have two rares and two foils for double the rares, double the foils for the double the masters. Uh, I don't care. Jumpstart 2022 is coming. That's because they, they're kind of doing some of the themes from Arena, but it will come with booster fun too. So uh, Magic's all about booster fun now. You're going to get different style of cards, and these are going to have anime style. So that's kind of neat. That's a big seller for them, so obviously they're going to try and get as much money from that as possible. Also, in the first or second quarter, we're getting Warhammer 40k Commander decks with four ready-to-play decks, and all have 40k art, but that's all they said. They didn't show anything of it. And then the big, kind of the big news of the fun stuff is that Lord of the Rings is getting a full set, and it will be modern format, so meaning that it won't be in the standard competitive play play format and it's actually coming to arena and online and tabletop and will feature four commander decks i actually think that that's pretty cool too i was actually kind of excited to hear that too but you know it's going to be an underpowered deck if it's being put into the modern format they kind of don't want to ruin the modern format plus like a modern centric competitive set is like modern horizons and then finally they named that secret lair so secret lair is their collector series of buying cards directly from them 
is getting a Fortnite themed cards. So they're re-theming cards with the Fortnite art and they're creating their own Street Fighter cards. So they showed off Chun-Li, which is pretty neat. And then after that, they named the next sets for 2022 with their themes, but they did not show off cards. So they kind of like to like let you dream up what each plane is going to have on it. So if you didn't know, these are all planes that you travel through as a Magic the Gathering player. So Q1 of 2022 is going to see Kamigawa Neon Dynasty, which literally is all neon colored cards. And it has like a cyberpunk feel being 2000 years after the original Kamigawa. And it will have some familiar game design elements from the Kamigawa set. Q2 2022, they're releasing Streets of New Capanna. I hope I said that right. I don't know. Which is Magic's take on a gangster movie. Their key theme is five three-colored crime families, and each will have their own key words and play differently. The plane itself, or the city of Capanna, was created by angels, but now demon crime families rule it. So that should be interesting to see. Q3 2022, which is generally when they release their core sets, is going to see Dominaria United. And, that, and they're releasing that to celebrate 30 years of Magic, which is weird because Magic was released in 1993, and that is 2022, which makes it 19 years. But I looked it up, and it's actually Magic was designed in 1992, but was released in 1993. So they were celebrating the design of Magic. And if you didn't know, and I actually didn't, all the original sets took place on Dominaria which was a cool thing to learn. And finally, the fourth set of 2022 is the Brothers War, which is really exciting. They're going back to the history of magic for this one. So we're going to see the story of Urza versus Mishra. And they hinted that it's going to have tons of epic artifacts and epic artifact creatures. And apparently some of the stuff is hinted at in the Antiquities set, because Antiquities was basically like an archaeological dig of this war. So that's kind of cool. So I hope you enjoyed that little bit of news that we kind of, in this podcast and in the next one, we talk a little bit about it. So now you have a little bit of background on what's coming out, if you care. <laughs> and if you don't, cool, whatever. So we're going to get back to our podcast with Logan, and hopefully uh, you find it really interesting. I'd be interested to see what their their game plan is. They were recently teasing the return to Innistrad, I think, yes. which is all vampires and werewolves and like super gothic kind of aesthetic, which right. is always fun. Comes out around Halloween, which is perfect. Yeah, and of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently they have something with Lord of the Rings in the works. So look out that for makes that. Sense. That should be pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, the, I think uh, the crossovers are really fun. They did the Jumpstart series, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. The idea that you buy... They're bigger than regular booster packs, but if you combine two jump starts together, you make basically like a constructed deck and you're able to play it. So they had like jump start events. So they're, I think they end up creating 40, 45 card deck and they're designed to play against each other. So the power level is actually kind of managed and it's it's not like someone bought the the correct combination of jumpstart decks and were really good. Right. And on a cool note, those are in Arena too. They have jumpstart events in Arena where they do the exact same thing. I, I like the idea inside of Magic as well that where you can really pick and choose what style of gameplay you want to get into. So if you want to go, you know, the sky's the limit, infinite combo turn two, you can 
you can do that. You can play in that play style. Or if you want to do something that's a little bit more kind of random influenced, you could do that drafting thing that you talked about where it's about your understanding of the set. Or you can, you know, like split boxes with your friends and then do drafts at home and, and build decks and kind of like challenge your understandings and the mechanics that way. Yeah, there's there's so many ways to play that it kind of yeah. ropes everyone in if, if you want to play mm-hmm. Right. So. Yeah, for sure. I, I find arenas really good at teaching because it's like, okay, you're going to play a deck from each of the different colors. Mm-hmm. You're going to see how it works. You need to win a couple of times against the robots <laughs> to make sure you don't just get like wrecked as soon as you get out there. Like, here's how the interface works. Yeah, you know, a, a gentle upbringing. Right. Just so everyone knows, I actually felt I got really good at magic after playing the Planeswalker video games, which is actually very similar to arena. So if you want to get good at playing Magic, Arena is a very good place to start. It kind of holds your holds your hand through all the mechanics, you know. It does, and it and it tells you like, well, you can't do that when it when you do something and then it doesn't work. It at least tries to tell you why it didn't work, mm-hmm. or it's like, are you sure you want to do that? Like, I'm gonna use Murder, destroy target creature. It's like, <laughs> oh, that is indestructible. It cannot be destroyed. Are you sure? <laughs> like, okay, fair enough. I was playing one. I was playing Arena today, actually, and I had Helios, which is like the god, and it's indestructible. And he kept trying to destroy it. Like he wasted, I think, three or four cards of like destroy target creature, and then he like triple blocked it, thinking he was gonna kill it. I was like, oh. you. I feel bad for you, friend. It's not how this works. He's learning. He's learning. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't know how you got I hope they figured it out. <laughs> I hope so too. <laughs> yeah there's even the, like little things too like back in the day there's something called regeneration so if you destroy oh, yeah. destroyed a creature with regeneration they actually come back in tapped so yeah. that was a way people would like you know stop them from blocking with regenerate creature or whatever mm-hmm. but yeah there's, there's so many like little rules and and meta and actually they they go into how they like change rules over time too so yeah. like you know that the original sets with like black lotus and moxes and you know that the cards are so expensive will never be played will never be printed again because they're way too powerful yeah. <laughs> right and, they well, been... and the reason why they were so expensive was because they're very good very good yes yes yeah. they are the best they they are if uh so we were talking about the formats earlier and i think it's vintage vintage uses black lotuses and mocks basically every deck has them so if you don't have those cards you cannot play (laughs) well and the the topic around magic the gathering as well is about efficiency in play because if you if you have the resources mana you can just do you just keep going there's no there's no limited number of actions. So let's talk about that for a second. So basically, mana is your way of playing cards, right? And you have to draw a land to play it. So basically, your deck usually consists of 20 to 24 lands in a 60-card deck because most, car- most of your cards in your deck are going to cost anywhere between 1 and generally 3 to 4, but you will put bigger cards in and, you know, some types of decks will allow you to pull lands quicker so basically you might want to like the efficiency of your deck would be how quickly can i get the lands i need to play the cards i have in my deck that's like what the Mm. efficiency is yeah and the i didn't understand for a long time the power of card draw Mm. you know well i think one of my favorite color combinations is is it I-Z-Z-E-T, which is red-blue. Red-blue, okay. Right, and the reason why I like red-blue is because red explodes things, which I find hilarious. (laughs) And then blue gives me the gas to be able to do it. Also, color, like, copying spells and storm decks, the idea of, 
I'm just over here slowly working my way and then I have this super explosive turn and then I win. That that I find to be very appealing. The I make 16 copies of take next turn spells. So I just keep playing until you decide you've had enough and leave. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Flip that table and start yelling at the uh, at you or whatever. Yes, yes, I totally yeah. understand. Yeah, and and honestly, like uh, on that note, like every color has their benefit, and you just mentioned blue is card draw, and that's actually why I love playing blue is because I I know that card draw is the most one of the most important concepts in the game. So I always play it blue because they always have the best card draw, but they don't necessarily have the best, you know, other things. So like if they're yeah. good at card draw, they might have, you know, poopy creatures or something. Yeah, they'll they'll struggle to find the win condition. You right. know, you can only you can only beat me so many times with a flying creature versus, you know, it, so you get a big green creature with reach that can block flying creatures and you're you're going to have not a great time. Right. Well, and a, a good example also is like green does is doesn't have a lot of card draw but it has very big creatures so yeah. if you don't have the right removal you know green can have very powerful creatures on the board that you can't stop well and they they realized how underpowered white was oh, with yeah. no access to card draw no access to ramp ramp meaning getting additional lands on the battlefield per turn so they've actually started to change it so now there's white cards with card draw there's white cards with ramp to try and bring white kind of back up a little bit in terms of power level in comparison to the other colors because red will go real fast like red deck wins is a pretty standard idea and then blue will draw you the cards green will give you the lands and the mana to be able to cast the big creatures black just kills everything so white need a little bit of a bolster in order to kind of stay on par wow we just talked about a lot there (laughs) all right everyone that concludes part one of two of our magic the gathering podcast which includes collaboration with logan from tunnel vision games and i want you to tune in next week where we're going to talk a little bit about the best way for beginners to play or to get into it and what's going on with magic rapid fire edition and we're going to talk about old cards set releases secret layers collecting card prices booster box hijinks and all that guaranteed to be a little bit more in depth maybe a little bit more interesting and hope to see you listening to that thanks everyone if you like what you hear you can check us out on instagram at friday night games underscore official twitter at friday night gms and on our website at friday night.games